All right. Are you ready for the word this morning? All right. I'm, I want to talk to you on the subject. It's yours for the taking. It's yours for the taking. For seven years, the nation of Israel was virtually untouchable. Seven nations that were conquered, at least 31 kings that were overthrown, approximately 10,000 square miles of real estate property that was claimed. For seven years, it was victory after victory and triumph after triumph. It was unmatchable success. They were outnumbered, but they were never overpowered. They were under-equipped, no doubt, but they were never overwhelmed. There wasn't likely but questionable conquerors of some of the most incredible and powerful cities of that time. It was the people of Israel. For seven years, they were unstoppable. But I want to tell you that it had not always been like that. It was not always the case. The Bible doesn't gloss over the checkered history of God's chosen people. No, we see it throughout the Old Testament. Abraham had too many wives and Jacob told too many lies. Esau sold his birthright. Joseph's brothers sold Joseph into slavery for centuries, 400 years of Egyptian bondage were followed by 40 years of just wandering in the wilderness, going in circles. Then later, you have 70 years of Babylonian detention where the people of Israel were held captive by the people of Babylon. The, the Hebrew people built two temples only to lose them both. They were given the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the very presence of God, and they lost it. Babylonia built her cities while Greece flexed its strength, while Rome stretched its empire, and the people of Israel, the people of Israel, what about them? They were the outcasts most of the time, except for those seven years. The timeline is somewhere between the difficult days of Exodus and the dark times of Judges. Moses had just died, and the Hebrew people were beginning their fifth decade in the Badlands, known as the wilderness. And sometime around 1400 BC, God spoke, Joshua listened, and an era of victory began like none other. The Jordan River opened up, the Jericho walls fell down, the sun stood still, and hope was reborn. The homeless wanderers that we know as the people of Israel became hope-filled homesteaders. They built farms and they built villages. They built vineyards. The accomplishments were so complete that Joshua wrote it like this in Joshua 21, 43 and 45. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors and they took possession of it. And settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their ancestors. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all of the Lord's good promises 
to Israel failed, everyone was fulfilled. The Lord keeps his promises. God is true to his word. The Lord gave all the land. Notice the declarations and the statements. The Lord gave all the land. The Lord gave rest. Not a man of their enemies stood against them. They conquered them all. Everything that God had spoken took place. It was a new season for the people of Israel. Maybe you need a new season as well. You don't need to cross the Jordan River. You just need to get through the week. You aren't facing Jericho, but you're facing rejection. Or you may be facing heartache. The Canaanite giants aren't the ones stalking you, but disease, discouragement, and despair. You wonder if you have what it takes to face tomorrow because sometimes this challenge is just too much. Sometimes the challenge is just too much. You want to keep up. You try, but you just feel like you're going in every which direction and you feel like you're never making progress and you feel like life is just stretching you thin. And it's not that you don't want to. But could it be that it's that you run out of strength? Life has a way of taking the life out of us. Life has a way of taking the life out of us. And if that is you this morning, the book of Joshua is a book for you. It is a book for the season in life when things seem uncertain and things don't always come out the way you want them to. The God has a promised land for you that the book of Joshua dares us to believe that, that the best days are ahead of us, that when we look at the promised land, it was the third stop in the iconic itinerary of the Hebrew nation. Their pilgrimage began in Egypt, continued through the wilderness, and it concluded in the land we know as Canaan. Each land represents a different condition of life. In Egypt, the Hebrews were enslaved to Pharaoh. In the wilderness, they were free from Pharaoh, but they were still enslaved to fear. And maybe that describes me this, this morning. They refused to enter the promised land. They remained in the desert, and it was only in Canaan that they discovered true victory. Egypt, the wilderness, and Canaan. Egypt, the wilderness, and Canaan. Slaves to Pharaoh in one place, slaves to fear in another place. And finally, people of the promise. We too, in this place, have traveled the same itinerary. Egypt, for us represents the days before salvation, when we were in bondage to sin, but then Jesus came into the story. Our deliverer, by his grace and his power, we crossed the Red Sea and liberated us from the old life. And behold, in Christ, we're new, a new creation. He offered us a brand new life in Canaan. He brought us out to take us in. 
Our promised land, though, is not a physical territory. No, it is a spiritual reality. It is not real estate, but it is a real state of the heart and mind. It is a real state of the heart and mind, a promised land life in which we embrace the reality of God's promises for our life, a promised land in which, like Romans 8.37 says, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It is a promised land life in which, like 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, we do not lose heart. It is a promised land life in which, like 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, that Christ's love is the beginning and the end and his love compels us. It is a promised land life in which 2 Corinthians 7.4 says that we are greatly encouraged in all our troubles. It doesn't matter what we face because our joy knows no bounds. It is a promised land life in which like Philippians 4 and 6 says that we are anxious about nothing. It is a promised land life in which like Ephesians 6 18 says that we pray always. It is a promised land life that God has promised to us like Colossians 3 17 says that whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father through him. He didn't die. I want to challenge you this morning to tell you that he didn't die to solely bring you out and to leave our past behind. No, he died that we would embrace all that he has for us. We're called to live a life defined by grace. Canaan to us represents a life defined by grace, refined by challenge, and aligned with a heavenly call. In God's plan, in God's land, we win more often than we lose. In God's land, we forgive as quickly as we are offended. In God's land, we give as abundantly as we receive. In God's land, we serve of our giftedness and we enjoy our assignments before us. We may stumble, but we don't collapse. We may struggle, but we don't despair. Canaan symbolizes the victory that you and I can experience here on this earth today. To live the life that Jesus described in John chapter 10 and verse 10 where he said, I came to give you a life in abundance. Canaan is not a metaphor of heaven, though it has been sung about and talked about. The idea is beautiful, but it doesn't work. And I'll tell you why. Because Canaan had at least seven enemies. Heaven will have no enemies. In Canaan, Joshua and his men fought at least 31 battles. But can I tell you that heaven will have no battles. Heaven will be free of stumbles and struggles. And the people of Israel were not free of stumbles and struggle. Canaan then does not represent the life to come. Canaan represents the life that we can have right now. God invites each of us to enter into the promised land. And there is only one condition that you have to turn your back on the wilderness. 
Just as Canaan represents the victorious life that God wants us to have, can I tell you the wilderness represents the not-so-victorious life that we can live? Or can I put it this way, the defeated Christian life? In the desert, I'll, let me paint the picture for you. In the desert, the Hebrew people were liberated from Egyptian bondage but you wouldn't have known it by listening to them. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. You can get out of a place but still be held captive by the thoughts and by the experiences and dealing with the flashbacks. You can get out of a place and be in a new place physically, but still be in another place mentally, psychologically, emotionally. You wouldn't have known it by listening to the people of Israel because just three days in to their freedom, the people complained against Moses. And they said, what are we going to drink? Just a few days more passed, and they now complained against not just Moses, but now Moses and Aaron. They tell him, why'd you bring us out of Egypt? We could have died there. We had food. I, I would Can we wrap our minds around that this morning? I'd rather be a slave. I would rather die a slave, they were saying, because at least I had Food to eat. But you've brought us into the wilderness to die of hunger. The people contended left and right with Moses. They complained against Moses so much to the point where Moses goes before God and says, God, what am I going to do? Because these people are about to stone me. They inhaled anxiety like we inhale oxygen. They inhaled worry and stress the way we inhale oxygen. How did the Hebrew people, I, I just, sometimes it's hard for me to understand this. How did they get to this point? Because it wasn't for a lack of miracles, because they saw God's power work in high definition. They saw all his miracles throughout the journey, but when God called them to cross into Canaan, and you, the story is that they took one spy from each of the 12 tribes, and all but two returned and said, it's mission impossible. It didn't matter what God had done up until that moment. It didn't matter what God had done up until that point. What was in front of them was far too big and far too much. The giants were too big for them. They say we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. So God gave them time to think it over and sends them into the wilderness and put them in time out for 40 years. They walked in circles. They ate the same food every day. It was an endless routine. They were saved, but they were not strong. And I can't, can I just tell you my heart is that I read this story and, I, and, and God speaks to me. And, and I say, God, don't let that be me. 
Don't let my stinking thinking hold me back from experiencing all that you have for me. I don't want to be the one that's walking around in circles and never progressing and never advancing. No, that's not the life he died to give me. But that's the life a lot of us can live and we can get stuck in and trapped in if our thinking be transformed. That's why Paul says to the church in Rome, by the renewing of your mind. That's how, that's how we get there. But how many times have we just, we're struggling with the same thing. Still struggling with anger and, and I still get offended over the same things and I still get my feelings hurt and, and I still can't forgive my spouse and I still can't truly get anywhere. And I just feel like I'm in a spiritual rut. They were saved, but they were not strong. They were redeemed, but they were not released. They were saved from Pharaoh, but stuck in the desert. Redeemed, but locked in a routine and a monotony. It sounds pretty miserable, doesn't it? But the question that I'd like to ask on top of that is, does it sound familiar? If the Christian life is just routine. For me, I'm not doing it right. If I am stuck in a monotonous routine, I'm not doing it right. If I'm not advancing and progressing in God, I'm not doing it right. Does it sound familiar? The Reveal Research Project went on a search for modern-day Joshua's. People that say, God, I'll take you at your word. People that said, you know what? All his promises are for me. So they surveyed members of more than 1,000 churches. They wanted to determine the percentage of churchgoers who are actually living out their full potential. Those who actually felt like they were being propelled by faith to love God, to love others with their whole hearts, no conditions, no strings attached. Over 1,000 churches, countless members. Are you ready for the answer? How many of you feel like, that was a question, that you are experiencing all that God has for you? 11% of Christians, nearly 9 out of 10 believers felt stuck in the wilderness. Saved, yes, but still struggling with fear. Empowered, no. Out of Egypt, but not yet in Canaan, 11%. Would you send your kid to a high school that only graduated 11%? Or what if hospitals only healed 11% of their patients? What if we as employees only completed 11% of our tasks? 
10%. There's a serious deficiency here, but I also see it as a great opportunity. I also see it as a great opportunity because what would happen if each of us in this place... If, if we say, if we make up in our own mind, because I can't make up my mind, I can't make up your mind for you. You have to do it for yourself. You can't make up the mind, your mind for me. I have to do it for myself. But what would happen if Impact City would say, I'm going to take God at his word. That I may not always understand it. I may not always believe it. But if God said it, it's going to happen. I may feel that, that what if? What if when fear wants to overtake my life and anxiety wants to come in in the middle of the night, what if I stood up and I said, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind? What if when anxiousness comes, I would say, I'm not going to be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, I will let make my requests be known to God. What if I took him at his word, either God is who he says he is, God is who he says he is. What would happen? I'm going to draw to a close. How much purpose, can you, how much purpose would be discovered? And how much more would you live fulfilled? How much wisdom would be shared? How much joy would be released? How much stress, how much worry, how much anxiousness would be eliminated? How would the world be different? And how would your world be different? Do you sense a disconnect between the promises of the Bible and the reality of your life? Are you stuck somewhere in between what God says I am, who God says I am, and where you find yourself right now. Jesus offers abundant joy. But yet we live with oppressed grief. The Bible speaks that we are saved by grace, but yet we carry guilt. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors, yet we are frequently conquered by temptations or weakness. Caught. In the land between Egypt and Canaan. So I just stopped by this morning to tell you it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. So as you look at your life in the mirror, what do you want to change? The good news is that you can change it. So when you look at your life in the mirror, what do you want to stop? What is it that you, that you have the tendency to do that, that doesn't line up with God's promises? What do you want to stop? The good news is that you can stop it. 2 Corinthians 3.18 puts it this way, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate 
the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. One translation says, from glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So as I close, the deed to your life in Christ. The deed to your new life in the promised land has already been signed. It's just up to you to possess the land. Will we fall in the 11% or will we fall in the 89%? I make, I make a decision for us today. We will see everything that God has for us. We will see everything that God has for us. Your eyes have not seen your ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Is there anybody that says, that's me? I, I, that, that's for me. We will see everything that God has for us. Joshua and his men did this. The same up, up opportunity and the same promise was available for Moses and that generation, but that mentality and that stinking thinking and that mindset had to die. It was not so much that the people had to die, it was the mentality of, no, I, I, I want to I stay right here. I choose to be upset and I choose to be angry. And I, no, I choose to be who God has called me to be. I choose joy. I choose what he has for me. Joshua and his men did this. They went from the dry land to the promised land. They inherited their inheritance. What's holding you back today? What's holding you back today? I'm going to read it one more time. Joshua 21. So the Lord gave Israel all. It wasn't just some of it. It was all the land that he had sworn. He said it. And even though a generation had to, had to pass, they ultimately saw everything that God had for them because God is true to his word. And if he said it, he's going to do it. And you know what I say? I say, God, it doesn't have to be my children to embrace it. I'm going to embrace it right now. I want what you have for me. I want what you have for me. I want, I want it for your life. I want it for your family. I want it for your faith. I want it for your, for your physical body. I want it for the situations in your life that seem unresolved. I want it for your finances. I, I want it in, for you. The Lord gave all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their ancestors. It was there the whole time. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their hands. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Not one of all the Lord's 
good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Not one. I'm I'm just talking to myself and letting you eavesdrop on this conversation. John, not one of all the Lord's good promises. He's faithful to his word. Nothing failed. Everyone was fulfilled. It may look like you're going under, but but the Lord says, but the Lord says, I will hold you up. The Lord says, I will sustain you. I will keep. It may look like like you don't have what it takes to face tomorrow. But he said, be encouraged. I am with you always just as I have overcome the world. You shall also. It may look like your finances are a mess. But he says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. It may seem like fear wants to overtake my life, but God has given me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. This is God's vision for your life. This is God's vision for your life. Imagine the thought. Imagine the thought with me. You at full throttle as you were intended. You at full throttle, running on all cylinders as you were intended, as a victor over the challenges and over the obstacles that stand in your way. You and your promised land life, it's yours for the taking. It's yours for the taking. Oh, you can expect to be challenged, absolutely. The enemy won't go down without a fight, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in all the world. You can expect great progress because the God who called you, he's more than able. He's more than able. It's a life where breakthroughs outnumber the breakdowns. It's a life where breakthroughs outnumber the breakdowns. God promises outweigh the personal problems and victory just becomes a way of life. It's yours for the taking. So I just want to ask the question. I don't know if there's anybody here in this place with me that wants to take a a ride down to the post office and say, I'm changing my address. I'm changing my mailing address. Fear, I don't live here anymore. Past, I don't live here anymore. Temptation, I don't live here anymore. Weakness, I don't live here anymore. Stress, I don't live here anymore. Worry, I don't live here anymore. Hurt, I don't live here anymore. Rejection, I don't live here anymore. I'm changing, God Almighty. I feel. His promises are mine. I'm changing my address. Peace is mine. Joy is mine. I'm changing my address. I will experience everything, everything he has for me. Hallelujah. My God. Is there anybody that says goodbye wilderness? Hello, Canaan. Goodbye. Hello. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. I'm going to take you at your word. 
that in my vulnerability and in my weakness that you're going to hold me. I'm going to take you at your word that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. I'm going to take you at your word that I was young and I'm, now I'm old and I've never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen, I've never seen a righteous forsaken or his descendants beg for bread. Can I just tell you that God invites us this morning to leave whatever it is behind. Heartache behind. Unforgiveness, insecurity, goodbye to it all. Low self-esteem, goodbye. I am a child of God. I am the apple of his eye. I am the head and I am not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm blessed in my going in and I'm blessed in my going out. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed in the city. It doesn't matter what we do. We have his promises. I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to trust the God who holds me in the palm of his hands. I'm going to trust his faithfulness. Oh, God. Oh, God. Father, we love you today. Thank you for challenging us with your word. Thank you for reminding us that there's more to the life that you have called us to live. Thank you for reminding us that fear has no place in our lives, that anxiety and the worry and the stress and the heartache and the rejection. We can all leave it at the feet of the cross. We can leave it today. So God, I, I thank you for everyone in this place. That's making their mind up to change their address today and saying, I've been stuck in the routine. I've been stuck going in circles long enough, but I, I would choose today to take God at his word and say, I've never experienced it, but I embrace it. I've never, never experienced it, but I'm going to experience it today. Because God said it. Because God said it. He said word says, Lord, that you gave to give us a life and a life in abundance. Not, not a life that's struggling all the time. Not, not a life that is just barely making it by note. That is not your will for us. Your will is to give us a life in abundance and we take you at your word. So I come against everything that's contrary to abundance right now. 
I come against lacking right now. You are our shepherd and we shall not want. You are, the, you are our portion, God. You are enough for us. God, we thank you right now that there is no weapon that is formed against us that can prosper. I thank you that while there may be struggles, while there may be challenges, I know how the story ends because you've already declared it and you've already spoken it. Right now, God, I thank you for your living word that is alive here today that can change, that can challenge, that can restore, that can revive, that can heal, that can give new vision, that can give new perspective. Right now, God, we take you at your word. We take you at your word right now. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If there's someone in this place and maybe the first step for you is, I gotta get out of bondage, the bondage of, of slavery, of sin, and, and you're stuck in, spiritually speaking, in Egypt here today, God, God invites you. You can make the quick trip. You can make the quick, 12-day journey and not let it take you 40 years. You're carrying shame and you're carrying guilt. You're carrying your hurt and you don't know. You've tried. You've tried to work it out on your own. He says, come to me if you're heavy burdened, if you're laden, if you're overwhelmed. He said, I'll give you rest. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you want to make the first time decision to give your life to Jesus today. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right where you're at. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you all over this place right now. Right now, I want to invite everybody at the sound of my voice to pray with me. We believe that no one should do life alone. Would you pray with me, dear Jesus? Thank you for dying for me, for taking my place for loving me in my unlovable state. I give you my heart, come into my life, be the Lord of my life, and let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for the people that accepted Jesus today?